0: To get started, visit plushcare.com weight weightloss. That's plushcare.com weight weightloss. August 12th,
1: 2018. My next guest will never, ever forget that day. Yes, on that day, something unfolded that Siobhan Jordan never in her wildest dreams would have expected. She's with us on late lunch and she's joined today by two great men, Karen McDonnell and Carl Connor uh, from the Red Cross are here with us as well. You're all very welcome to the show. Thank you for joining me. Siobhan, I have to start with yourself. Take us back to that day. Where were you and what were you up to?
2: OK, Jerry, Um, I was running the Rock and Roll Half Marathon with a large group from my running club, the North East Runners, based in Dundalk. And I remember at the start of the race, Bits out of the middle, it's a bit sketchy at times, and I'm not really sure, to be honest, if my recollections are my own or what people have told me. But something went wrong with me that day, and just a couple of hundred metres from the finish line, I collapsed and went into cardiac arrest. What age are you? I'm now 28. At the time, I was 27. (laughs)
1: You're only a youngster. And, and face and healthy and well used to running, yes?
2: Yeah, I've been running since I was about 18. As far as I was concerned, I had done the training for that half marathon. I've done a few before. I felt fine in the run up to it. The usual running aches and pains during the race, but nothing that I ever would have thought would lead to something so serious. So yeah, very unexpected nothing has actually been found since so the doctors haven't given me any diagnosis no underlying conditions have been found but something went wrong on that day and i guess i'm lucky to be here it's due to these two guys sitting beside me and how quickly they got to me
1: so just those last moments again when you went out of it because you know cardiac arrest you're gone and you know you're depending on others then to step in do you remember the last even moments did you feel you were going to collapse and this happened
2: No, I remember not feeling great and stopping. I hate stopping, but I stopped to get a drink. I don't remember much after that, but my friend Katrina was running with me at the time and she's since told me that I didn't feel great, so she stopped and walked with me and we were approaching the finish line so she walked beside me and I collapsed she thought I'd fainted initially and she caught me and then she realized that it was something a lot more serious and luckily that the Red Cross were on hand assessed the situation in 16 seconds and started CPR.
1: Let's bring Kieran McDonnell into the conversation and uh, you uh, can relate to what we've just heard there from Siobhan what's your recall of what happened then at that moment?
3: So initially, I, was, I wasn't forced on seeing Car- Carl and Gary were two other guys, but um, I was based at the finish line. So my job for the day was to manage a team of volunteers on the finish line, dealing with the run-of-the-mill stuff that you get people fatigued and cramped and stuff like that. But then we got a call for a lady having a seizure over the radio, and that was the initial presentation that was a seizure. So Carl and Gary were the nearest responders on scene, They got to Siobhan and then they noticed that they were in a bit of trouble. So they requested for advanced life support. So when we start to hear that call, it makes the hair in the neck stand up and your blood run a little bit cold. So you got to bring extra equipment to the scene. So my job then was to bring the defibrillator on scene and then act act accordingly then.
1: So you knew from that call that the situation, it wasn't a seizure, it was even more serious. uh, Carl Connors here with us. You were on the spot. You uh, experienced what happened. Tell us what happened. So I
0: was actually stationed 200 metres from the finish. Um, So it was a 100 metre run for us to get to Siobhan. We were told um, initially by just a bystander that someone had collapsed. So that was grand the second we heard that then we uh, Mm. grabbed all the bags um, ran up a bit and then another bystander actually said yeah we think she had a seizure so we got up then and just as we were arriving uh, we were fully expecting a seizure we just thought right this woman's obviously passed out or you know just Mm -hmm. after the seizure but Kieran then arrived seconds after us um Gary had assessed her Kieran had assessed her um uh, they noticed she wasn't breathing. Okay. So, at
1: the time, did you know it was a cardiac incident? Yes, straight away. You, you're trained to pick that up. Yeah. That you knew that straight yes.
3: away. Yes. On, on arrival, her color was very pale, and that would be a key indicator mm. that there's a problem. Now, it wouldn't necessarily mean ultimately it was a, a cardiac arrest. Mm. It could have been very cold or hypothermic yes. or anything. But the main one was that there was no respiratory effort. She wasn't breathing on her own and she had no pulse at that stage. Okay, so you spring into action immediately. What did you do? What did you do in effect straight away then? So we're trained for what's called pit crew CPR. So if you know like Formula One and stuff like that, when the cars come in, get, so everyone has a job. So my job on the day, it just so happens where I landed was at the head. So my job was airway management and team leader. So, my job is to get air into Siobhan and start chest compressions while the other two guys on scene set up the defibrillator and then obviously extra equipment that we may need, like suction or airways. Okay, CPR uh, immediately? Straight away, straight away. Straight away. So, even before any equipment comes out of the bag, the hands are on the chest mm. and we're building up blood pressure. We're getting oxygen to the brain. Okay. And that's what we need to do.
1: You're in the process of reviving this young lady here. And. Did did you get it going again, or did it take the defib to work the magic?
3: So basically, we started off initially doing chest compressions. Yeah. When the machine when it went on, it analysed, and it analysed, and there was chaotic electrical activity in the heart, and it's not sustainable for life. So it administered one shock, in the hope then that the heart restarts itself. So people have a misconception that you shock the heart and everything is back to normal. In this regard, it took another two minutes of CPR for it to re and then deliver a second shock. After the second shock, then on um, the airway, I'm using a thing called a bag valve mask. It's like a big bag with a mask on it and it's blowing air into the lungs. Every time I can squeeze the bag, Siobhan was breathing back against the bag. So I knew at that stage then that... She was breathing on her own and good respiratory effort. Okay, so took two? Two shocks. Shocks with the defibrillator, around four minutes
1: of CPR. And the heart started to beat again and she started to breathe. She started to breathe on her own then, yeah. It's, it's marvellous, isn't it? You're sitting there listening. Is it like, you know, you've been brought back to the scene of your life story that you never experienced?
2: It's surreal, to be honest. I never expected this to happen to me. And listening to it... Yeah, it's very strange, but I suppose I kind of try to look at the bright side. I'm so grateful to be here and I'm so grateful for what they've done. Um, Approximately less than 10% of people survive cardiac arrest unless the numbers greatly improve if CPR is administered in three to five minutes. Of course, it's not always successful, but in this case, I'm so thankful it was. And I'm so glad to be part of that part of that, uh, statistic. Yeah. that statistic I'm approach. happy to be part of that statistic mm-hmm. so I suppose I'm, I am I'm so lucky and realistically the doctors didn't know if I'd have brain damage if I'd have physical complications what would happen so I was put into an induced coma for about 24 hours and my parents were prepared that I may not come out of it or despite the fact that they had gotten to me so quickly I might not be such a good outcome but thank god it was and I'm so lucky to be here
1: you had a brother away, had you, and he was put on standby to come home from New Zealand.
2: Yeah, my brother is in New Zealand. My sister was actually in Abu Dhabi, but she was luckily home. And he, my dad rang him and said, you know, if you want to come home. So he spent the first leg of the flight to the US, not knowing what was happening. But luckily, I'd been brought around and things were looking slightly more optimistic by the time he'd landed there. So, yeah, he was home.
1: What do you remember of becoming conscious again?
2: Oh God, not a lot. (laughs) I suppose I was in a coma until the Monday and I only really start to remember the Thursday. I know I came around a few times and every time asked what happened, where am I? And dad had to keep re-explaining to me. And then eventually he said, no, you know where you are. Where are you? What happened? I don't remember when I was told it was a cardiac arrest. Initially, it was you collapsed because I suppose they didn't want to give me too much information initially. But... Yeah, my first, the first few days are very blurry. Mm. And I think that's quite natural. That seems to happen quite often. With people have suffered this. So,
1: But obviously with a little time and starting to talk to people and inquiring, where am I? What's happened to me? How did this all come about? You find out what happened to you. Did that shock in itself that a fit young woman who's well used to running, that this can happen to, out of the blue?
2: Yeah, it's 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 insane. And so many people have said to me, you, you'd be the last person we'd expect. You know, if we lined people up in a row, I don't look like the typical person who could have something like this happen. But that, why, why not me? I, I suppose that's the way I've kind of come to see it, that it could happen to anybody. Something obviously went wrong inside me. Now, I don't have, they haven't found anything in me. I have accepted that they may never. And I'm not going to keep looking for answers because I want to keep living my life and just enjoy it. But I think it could happen to anybody. And people just need to be aware that if there are any signs that you need to stop, I think there's such a emphasis on pushing through the pain and pushing through the barriers. And don't get me wrong, I was one of those people. You know, just push on a little bit more, you're nearly at the end. But thank God I stopped and thank God Katrina stopped with me because... I know it's such a running thing, everybody's looking for a personal best and everybody's looking for a time and I assumed that I would have said to her, no go on ahead, but she stayed with me and if she hadn't I could have strayed off where there was no help. Mm. But I suppose what's really important here is I really want people to learn CPR and learn how to use a defibrillator. The course takes two or four hours, something like that and it's such a massive skill to know. Like we went run, we've gone running in such remote places. I've gone on my own, and I couldn't guarantee that a bystander would know what to do. And it's such a simple skill that nobody knows when they might need it.
1: Weren't you lucky that you were in this race in a city, and these guys were there as well? When you listen back, uh, Carl, to uh, what uh, we're hearing here from Siobhan, um, it's a, a very special job you guys have, and when you hear an outcome like this you must be so proud
0: oh yeah it's um it's an amazing outcome it really was um for me i didn't personally know what to think it was actually only my second time on duty with the red cross i had just qualified uh my duty beforehand was actually in a welfare tent with um more drunken people you know but um yeah so that i was told in that welfare tent you know this is the worst you're ever going to see more than likely and then the next time around...
1: You're <laughs> in an absolute 999 emergency on your first shift. Well, you, you know something about it. <laughs> absolute baptism
3: of four uh, Baptism.
1: <laughs> Probably no way to, uh, no better way, should I say, to be thrown in there and actually experience this first time you out. You know, to, yeah, yeah. You guys, you meant, um, we heard there from Siobhan, four hours, is it, for the uh, course hours, on the yeah. defib? Yes. But what about CPR? I did it years ago, but... It is years ago since I've done it. What do you say? Everyone should learn it, as Siobhan said. That is a fact. We should all know what to do. Is there much involved in being retrained if you if you need a refresher?
3: So basically, this course, which allows you to use defibrillator and administer aspirin now, which is a big one, is a four-hour course. It's called the Cardiac First Responder Course. And any local Red Cross unit will teach it and train the public. It takes four hours. And the main emphasis on that is... Just get the hands onto the chest, push hard and fast and do not stop until the ambulance arrives or the defibrillator. Mm. The defibrillators are idiot proof. We can prove that. They're idiot proof. They work. (laughs) so Don't knock yourselves. You are
1: are angels (laughs) in, in this, ladies, and many other people's eyes that you come to the assistance of as well. I'd hope so, yeah. You are. You're great people in the Red Cross. Um, But coming back, if somebody wants to learn CPO for the first time, what's involved there? That's a longer course, is it?
3: No, that's that's all included in the four-hour course. Oh, so that's
1: it. So we can all train in
3: four hours to be able to do this. The best thing about the course is it's DVD-led. So you're watching the DVD, and then you're going to practice while watching the DVD, and then more is retained. They say when you do a course, you retain about 20% of the knowledge. So if it's DVD-led and practical, you're going to get more.
1: Yeah, terrific. So, folks, really, the message today is when you hear Siobhan Jordan's story and the great guys from the Red Cross and what how they acted, shouldn't we all really now just take this on board if you can at all, contact your local Red Cross unit and do that four-hour course?
2: 100%. My entire running club did it straight away in October. We had somebody come down to us from their first responders in Castle Bellingham and they they've all trained up and my staff are all signed up for it in September it's so simple I really would ask anybody to do it you don't know when you'll need it and I hate that that's a fact but it is a fact Mm. and I think anybody would rather say I tried my best to help that person than I stood there not sure what to do
1: absolutely I'm gonna do it myself I'm telling you today I need a refresher I promise you I'll do it and I want to lead the way on this one and I'll contact my local unit here and just before we finish have you run since
2: I haven't actually Um, I have had a couple of jogs I'm dying to get back out and I've been cleared to do it even though people think I'm mad Um, I'm heading to Vietnam and Cambodia tomorrow for three weeks so when I come back from it it's all systems go back to the running slowly but surely
1: back (laughs) in the game and last thing did they give you the medal of the memento for the Dublin Rock and Roll Half Marathon they did
2: indeed the representatives from Athletics Ireland came with three t-shirts and three medals to visit me and James's Ah. so I was very grateful for that.
1: Lovely, lovely, lovely. What a great story and inspirational story this is as well. And somebody saying there, congratulations to the Red Cross. Well done. To save a life is remarkable. That's just one and the more messages coming in there. Well done, lads. And uh, keep up the great work. We depend on you on many, many occasions and you're always there for us. And thank you for joining us on the show today. Siobhan Jordan, enjoy your breakaway and look forward to you being back on the with the, with, the, with the shoes on and out on the <laughs> roads and the track as well. And for the moment, Kieran McDonald and Carl Connor from the Red Cross. Thank you all for joining me on the show. Thank, Thank you, you, Jerry. Thank you.
0: Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odour control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter.